HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit Corin.com. I'm Erica Wides, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Japan Needs. I'm your host, Akiko Katayama, a food writer and a director of the New York, New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from a studio at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every deli and supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I will try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. And my guest today is Eric Shirai, who is a painter, photographer, and a filmmaker based in New York City. And he's a director of The Birth of Sake, the award-winning film, including the Best Documentary Director Special Jury Mention at Tribeca Film Festival, the Best Documentary Film at the 2016 Palm Springs International Film Festival, and the Best Documentary as well as the Best Director at Oregon's Ben Film Festival in 2015. And as you may know, premium Japanese sake is carefully handcrafted in traditional methods. But most of us don't know how hard sake brewers work or how dedicated they are to their craftsmanship. Um, but this film shows you all. So uh, today, uh, Elk will tell us about why he made the film and the, film, uh, the, the challenges that uh, traditional sake brewers are facing, fun episodes in making the film, and more. Hello, Eric. Welcome to Japanese. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. So, um, so we'll talk about the movie, uh, The Birth of Sake, in depth in a moment. But first, uh, tell us about your background. Um, you were born and raised in the U.S. and have been into art since you were very young. Yes, that's true. Uh, I, s I was born in uh, Chicago. I moved to New York when I was uh, 17 years old by myself. And, uh, you know, I started working in the film industry uh, when I was 19. And I came up working uh, on lighting, you know, on set, like on big commercials and features as a lighting technician. Mm -hmm. And I worked on that for many years. And then uh, I slowly went up to become a cinematographer. Uh, I worked as a... Uh, a cameraman for uh, Anthony Bourdain. Mm. And the Nord Reservation. Correct. Right? Yes. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So, 
Okay. And then、uh, when you grew up,、uh, were you always close to Japanese culture? I was.、Uh, you know, my mother, I was very, very close to my mother, and she always、uh, was a big influence in my life. And、uh, I have actually two siblings, one older sister and one younger sister.、Um, but I, only, I was the only one that actually spoke Japanese to my mother.、Mm. Um, so I kept it very close, you know, and obviously growing up. Uh, manga was big, you know, cartoons are big, you know, so I, I try to keep it close as possible.、Mm. So, your mother is、uh, born and raised in Japan, and then so she was really deeply immersed in Japanese culture and tried to teach you. I don't know if she was deeply immersed, but I think she was,、uh, she just wanted to make sure that I didn't forget it.、Mm. Uh, and she, you know, sent me to Japan a couple times when I was a kid, and you know, I, I kept it very close. It's something that I feel very connected to.、Mm. Uh, it makes me, I think, more.、Um, I think more have uh, a unique uh, vision towards everything I do.、Mm. Okay. So、um, actually, you mentioned your mom, and according to your bio on your website,、uh, erikshirai.com, you're raised by the strength and will of his mother, Yoko Shirai,、uh, who to this day is still the, his biggest influence. So, how did your mother influence you? Well, you know, I think you know, being uh, uh, raised by a single mother, especially a Japanese single raised mother in the United States,、um, mm. she always kept、uh, me pretty uh, uh, close, and I was the only son.、Um, so I think we've always had a close bond. And we're, we're actually two, only two that are actually creative. Both of my sisters are not in the creative field.、Mm. So my mother was a, she's a weaver,、um, so, and she's an artist in her own right. And、mm. so I think for me, it was always a, a connection that we always had a, a very. Special connection, and she's、mm. still very close to me. Right, so more of the artist side that she influenced you. Yeah. Right, amazing. So,、um, the, what's your main activity as an artist? I'm sorry. Because、uh, then, you know, I'm sorry, just let me fix my mic. Okay. So,、um, yeah, you're a painter and a photographer. I, I saw your website, you have very beautiful pictures, and then you make films. So, what's your main、uh, focus as an artist? Uh, it's, it's kind of hard because they all work off of each other, you know.、Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I've, I grew up being a painter first, then photography came into the picture, and then、mm. so, slowly those two things molded into、uh, filmmaking. And even to this day, I, I still think that my paintings and my photography still inspire and influence my filmmaking.、Mm. And all of my creative outlets sort of inspire each other. Um, so, you know, for me, it's, it's never to like forget or concentrate on just one thing. Obviously, filmmaking is the way I make a living,、um, but the way that I keep、uh, growing as a, a filmmaker is through all of my other creative outlets, including painting and photography.、Mm-hmm. Interesting. Maybe、uh, paintings are the dots, and then you're connecting dots and making a, a <laughs> yeah, film. <laughs> maybe. Right. And、uh, the, the Birth of Sake came out in 2015,、uh, which you, you wrote and directed. And was it your first long movie? Yes, it was my first、uh, long form feature.、Mm. Okay, and congratulations because you won. At the beginning, I told,、uh, you know, I said、uh, numerous awards you earned. Thank you.、Right. So, did you expect you're going to win those, those interesting awards?、Uh, no, not at all. I mean, for me, I mean, I think as a filmmaker, I'm just trying to make something that's,、uh, that's, that's、uh, inspiring. You know,、mm. I don't really think about awards, really. Mm. But I'm very grateful that, that I did. Right. Okay.、Uh, so、uh, tell us about、uh, what the movie's about.、Uh, so the film is really、uh, is sort of about these uh, artisans uh, that live、uh, in northwestern Japan in a place called、uh, Ishikawa.、Mm-hmm. And these migrant workers from 
the northern peninsula called Noto Peninsula. It's about two or three hours away from Ishikawa. Mm-hmm. Um, they come down, mostly farmers, and they'll come down um, away from their family and friends. They'll live at the brewery full time for six months. So it's a very intense process from uh, April, uh, sorry, October to about May. Now it's extended to June. So about six, seven months they're away from family and friends. Mm-hmm. And they live together, they eat together, to, they they work together, obviously. So it's a very, very um, intense uh, process. And, right. and I was very, very lucky and fortunate to be able to get a window inside of it. Mm. But it's uh, it's beyond, almost beyond family, right? Lately, families are more independently, you know, kind of coordinating their lives. But it sounds like it's more intense. And you sleep, eat, work together. It's crazy. Yeah, it was, it's a very, very... It's very interesting because as an American, I actually never have really seen that before, that sort of sort of dedication and sort of that sort of traditional way of doing things. Mm. So, And we got to live there firsthand, me, me and my producer and I, we actually lived there with them um, for the you know few times that we filmed there. We filmed there three times mm. in three different production seasons. Um, so we got firsthand look at how they live and work together. Mm. Wow, amazing. So you became part of the family. Yeah, right. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so the New York Times review of the film says, chronicling a season at the small family-owned brewery, Eric Shirai's The Birth of Sake is an engrossing introduction to the traditional cultivation of rice-based alcohol that's uh, that is a part of Japanese cultural he- heritage. But film's true focus is an endangered way of life. Um, is this an uh, accurate uh, insight by the reviewer? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think to me, it's 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 not. I think people who come to watch the film think that it's going to be about sake making, and I think obviously it will touch on that. But for me, it's really about these people, these artisans, who are obviously it's not. It's something that's disappearing, and it's obviously because of of modern age and modern technology, and obviously culture and all those things that are sort of changing. And so it's harder to keep up with something like this, to do something by hand, mm. to dedicate yourself for six, seven months. I think it's, it's, it's becoming more and more difficult. Right. So um, I think my, uh, I think our listeners would think like, how can you maintain your relationship with the family and friends? Right. So was it a big issue for them too? Yeah, it's a, it's obviously it's a, it's one of the biggest issues that the brewery faces. Um, it, it, a lot of the workers used to be farmers and they used to be older. Mm. So it's, they've come to the brewery because they can't harvest anything during the winter. Mm. So they will come down for the brewery and then work during the winter time. But now you have a lot more younger people who are coming in to work at the brewery. And the biggest challenge, obviously, is that they can't maintain relationships. They can't. It becomes more difficult to maintain a family. Mm. Um, so they have to adjust. And I think uh, Yachan, who's the sixth generation heir of the brewery, who will be the next president and brewmaster, he's understanding that. And he understands that he needs to adapt to the times. Mm. And so he's making smaller changes, but he's making it so it becomes a little bit more easier for younger people to work there. Mm, in terms of uh, the time, they away from uh, family and friends? Yes. They basically they used to only have two days away f- uh, each, they would, that they would be able to go back uh, each, each month. Mm. And so that he made that, I think, four to five days. Um, and so they've extended the season, but within that season, they're letting the, the workers go back a little bit more often. And I also thought, I just talked to Yachan recently, and he told me that he's involving more of the younger workers and engaging them. So mm. instead of just having a bunch of workers doing what the brewmaster tells them, 
he's actually getting them to be more involved in the process of making sake. Mm. What kind of decisions do you want to make? How can we make it better? Or how can we involve you know, them, certain people at the brewery, in the marketing part of it? So it becomes more of like a creative and sort of a, an overall sort of involved process mm. of a lot more people. So I feel like they're more engaged, and I think that helps, I think. Right. Rather than discipline, it's more partic- participation yep. in the team. So, okay. Um, so the, it's interesting that more younger people are joining this kind of work, right? Do you know why? I think, you know, just I think the younger people are joining the work because it's harder to find work in ah. Japan, and especially in the sort of rural areas. Mm. Um, it's, it's becoming more and more difficult. And the brewery, what's enticing, slightly enticing about working at the brewery is obviously you can make a chunk of money uh, in, in, in a time period that would be harder to make if you mm. were living, if you were working a part-time job or a nine-to-five job. Right. And your expenses are low. You have no expenses. You, you live there. You, you're fed there. So you, don't have, you have very minimal expenses. So that's what I think is uh, enticing to younger people. Mm. It's not a bad thing at all. Sounds like, you know, like in New York City, no, no rent, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no well, if you can live in a small little room with like 12, 13 other people, then I think yeah, mm. you can... If I guess you could do it. Right. Okay. Right. So uh, maybe you can tell us about, uh, you know, the Tedorigawa Yoshida Sake Brewery, which is the subject of the whole film. So how old, how big, uh, how small they are? The, the brewery is a, it's a medium-sized brewery compared to other breweries in, in Japan. Uh, they've been around for about 150 years. So mm. it's a sort of a longer sort of a, a brewery that's been there for a little while. Right. Um, and they have, they've held up a pretty good reputation as sake makers and sort of as a brand. So uh, they've sort of uh, have kept along all these years. I think one thing about breweries is that it's becoming more and more difficult to maintain. And once you make one bad season of sake, you, it's very hard to get back your customers but Tedorigawa Yoshida Brewery have been very worked very hard over these years mm. to maintain that reputation right okay and uh, you know like you said it's in Ishikawa prefecture and there is a river called Tedorigawa so the name of the brewery is a Yoshida Sake Brewery but uh, their brand is Tedorigawa correct is that correct mm. right so I think uh the region is snowy too, so that it helps to make good sake as well. Yeah, so as they say, it's uh, great sake is usually made from great great water, mm. a great water source, and great rice. Right. So Tedoiga, beautiful, clean water, and then uh, the snow helps. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, so the um, so how many people actually work uh, at the brewery? So there's the actual workers in the brewery itself, uh, in terms of the ones that handle the production part, it's about 14, I think 12, 12 to 14 uh, workers. It varies from season to season, obviously. And then there's obviously people that work in the office and stuff. But. Mm, right. And, uh, you know, I, I saw the movie and it's, it's crazy, very uh, cohesive group of people. And you could be stressed out because you're always together. Yeah, it's a very, very difficult life. So they, uh, that's actually the reason when I actually visited the brewery for a scout, that that was the first thing that really amazed me is that these little rooms, maybe like, um, it's probably maybe like a eight feet by, you know, 12 or 14 foot rooms and three to four people would share or two to three people would share these rooms wow. for six to seven months. So you can just imagine just a bunch of dudes basically <laughs> uh, living together. Uh, it could become very stressful. Mm, right. So they've got soldiers. 
Right. Yeah. Wow. And uh, and also the age group, it can be 20-something to 60 or 70 years old. Yeah, it's a great um, sort of range, a diverse range. Um, and it's it's just really interesting because I don't, I don't I mean, it, it probably happens in America, but it's, it's kind of um, not typical, you、mm. know, in American standards of working side by side by somebody that's, you know, two or three or four generations, you know, beyond you, you know. So it's, it's a really great atmosphere to learn from your peers, you know.、Mm. So it's, it's very interesting. Interesting because、uh, it's like a sushi chefs and they make rice without touching fish for 10 years and finally. Because the master says it's okay, you start cooking fish, making、uh, you know, sushi. So maybe it's the same kind of mindset you learn from the master. No questions, you just learn. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, that's one thing that's obviously、um, that Yachan, the sixth generation heir, is trying to change a little bit because I think that he, he understands why it's been doing that way to keep the tradition, but he also understands that if you want to keep these younger workers, Got to get them in more involved and more engaged, and I think that's why he's slowly changing it. And he's changing the mold of how sake has been made within inside of his brewery,、mm-hmm. and he's making this new, sort of new approach, which I thought was very interesting.、Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is just survival mode, you have to do it to survive, right? So, I heard、uh, there about a thousand similar traditional good、uh, quality sake breweries, so there's a competition of that high end、uh, sake breweries. Yeah, it's actually a thousand breweries total.、Mm. Um, so it's a very, very few、uh, in Japan.、Um, it's just a very hard thing to maintain.、Mm-hmm. Um, it's very labor intensive. And I think a lot of breweries、um, sort of find the easier way out, which is to just automate everything and have big machines make everything.、Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. And、uh, so, how did you end up making. The b o s s of sake. Like, you know, you didn't just wake up,、oh, let's make a sake brewer's movie, right? So, that, what happened? Yeah, so it was very interesting because、uh, I wanted to make a film that was sort of a tribute、um, to my culture and to my own people, Japanese people.、Mm. Um, and it was very important for me, I think, because there are so many films out there that are made by,、uh, you know, that are made about、um, Japanese culture or Japanese tradition by Western filmmakers. And There's nothing wrong with that, but I think that being Japanese, you get to see something a little bit differently. It's, it's like looking from the inside out rather than from the outside in. And I don't look at it as a way to sort of sensationalize or exotify anything.、Mm. I see it, it as is. And for me, it was really important that I make a film that sort of shows these people. Um, especially in the rural areas, because I don't think there's many films that are made about the rural people、mm. um, in the rural areas. I mean, and so, you know, I, I went about making a film about something in Japanese, and then I happened to meet Yachan at, a,、um, at an event in New York City, a fundraiser event. He was pouring sake, and we got to talking. And, you know, Japanese people do this thing where then when they first meet them, they're like, oh, you know, next time you come to Japan, I'll take care of you. You know, we'll go to get a drink, I'll buy you dinner or something. And nobody takes it, that offer seriously. It's just <laughs> something that you, know, you just say.、Right. Um, so he was very, very pleasantly surprised when I started. I ended up at his brewery door saying that I wanted to make a film about it. <laughs> right. So, but you know, it's a very traditional place. And then, of course, I mean, you speak Japanese, but、um, was it easy to convince them, let's make a film? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was,、uh, it was actually very challenging. That's with anything that's Japanese,、uh, with any Japanese, especially older Japanese businesses. Or anything that has to do with tradition, and a lot of them don't want to like reveal sort of their sort of secrets, you、mm. know. But I was, was very, very fortunate because at the time that I went to ask them, Yachan was sort of 
sort of taking control of the brewery or starting to begin to start taking mm. control and becoming filling a bigger role as a president or next up to next president of the brewery. So he understood that this was a great opportunity to sort of preserve this legacy that was happening at the brewery and just to just get more people to understand, especially in the Western world. And he thought of it was a, as a great opportunity and he sort of persuaded the brewmaster and his father, who was the president of the brewery, to sort of take this opportunity as uh, take this opportunity, basically. Mm. So you said uh, he came here for promoting his sake. So he had an eye to the overseas market, probably for the market, marketing point of view. He thought it might be really important for the brewery to make a movie yeah. and broadcast yeah, yeah. all over the world. Yeah, yeah. It's a great, it's a great um, mixture because Yachan, he's he's obviously he's he comes from the younger generation, so he understands what the younger people want. And then you got the brewmaster who's seventy, mm -hmm. who understands sort of what the older people want, and so. There's a great collaboration between the two, and I think that's what makes their brewery sort of very unique. Mm. And you have a, a Japanese producer, right? So you're able to um, do everything in Japanese with them? Yeah. We had, uh, I have my, my uh, right-hand sidekick, uh, Masako Tsumura, who probably wants to kill me most of the time, and I probably want to kill her. <laughs> but we were a great team together, and I think... Um, it really made, I think, uh, I think the, the biggest talent that you can be as a documentary filmmaker, at least, is to make your subjects feel comfortable. And I think that we were able to do that. Mm, amazing. Okay. And, uh, I mean, did you have any, um, you know, motivation to, you know, personally, do you, you wanted to make this film, right? Just because it's an interesting subject, but you wanted to do something to promote, uh, support the sake industry? I had no no intention of doing that. It was really, again, it was really about um, telling the stories of these people, these artisans, and sort of what their dedication is into this one thing that we called sake. Mm. And I think that was my main objective. Mm. Okay. So, all right. So let's take a quick break here. And then when we come back, we'll talk about uh, Eric's experience at the brewery uh, while he was shooting the film. So please stay with us. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant, from French to Pan-Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's unique store in Lower Manhattan is home to perhaps the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan, plus the rarest natural sharpening stones and exquisitely designed tableware. They also host special events such as knife sharpening demonstrations and parties with New York's most famous chefs and restaurateurs. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the implicit and elegance of Japanese culture to your table, be it in your home or in the finest restaurant. For more information, visit corin.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Japanese broadcasting live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Akiko Katayama, and my guest today is Eric Shirai, who is the art, an artist and the director of Birds of Sake, the award-winning movie. 
Um, so you said uh, you spent a uh, long time at the brewery mm. with all those uh, people. So what was your experience? Like you actually lived with them? Yeah, so we, sh- we filmed there over three different production seasons, and we spent roughly about three weeks each time. Mm. And then we also spent the summer with them. Um, so it was a very, I got, we got, my producer and I got a very first hand look at how these people work and live together. And we would wake up every morning at 4.30, uh, we would have breakfast with them, we would have lunch with them, we would have dinner with them, we would get completely drunk and plastered <laughs> and sing karaoke with them. Um, so we got a first hand experience uh, of what it feels like. And I think, um, we were very fortunate because I think because we, we were, basically embedded there full time we didn't go back to any hotel or anything like that I think the workers really opened up to us and I think that's what made the film uh, mm. feel uh, more intimate okay because it's a commitment like 4 o'clock in the morning you get up and right okay so um, what did you find uh, most impressive at the brewery um, in regard to their craftsmanship I think the most important thing is the the way that the brewmaster sort of worked his sort of workers and or his crew basically and i think um you know he always says that you know making sake is this is like raising a finicky child and so because you have to wake up at the middle of the night to take care of it just like you take care of a child and so it's very interesting to me that he he puts this out there to his workers but the workers really depend on him to make great sake but also he's sort of the surrogate father of the brewery Mm. so like you know everybody depends on him and so he needs to depend on his workers because without the workers they can't make great sake and then the workers can need to feel sort of feel like a part of a team and feel like they're they're working together and that's what the brewmaster does you know and i think he doesn't like just yell and tell people what to do (laughs) he also is very compassionate and he understands that he needs to make sure that the workers feel comfortable working there Mm. because once you lose sort of the trust and sort of the loyalty of the workers then you've lost you know the the, you're not going to make great sake right Mm. yeah so in the film i was impressed you know they're you know during the day they're very kind of strict, hardworking people. And then after dinner, they share sake. And it's very different. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a great way to sort of end the day. And it's also just to let the workers, he understands that there's so much tension and stress that you need something to blow off the steam. Mm. And for them to be able to drink at night, let off some steam, sing some karaoke, I think, is the only way that you can make these guys live for six, seven months together. Mm. And so I think he does a really great job of that. Right. Okay, and uh, what was the biggest challenge in making the film for you? Well, there's obviously always the <laughs> logistical part. of Like, financially, it was very difficult, um, and we were very, very uh, lucky that we did a Kickstarter campaign, and we raised some money, and we had some grants. Um, and so that was obviously a challenging uh, thing. But, you know, I think for me it was just, you know, it's, it's this sort of responsibility that you have to your subject. And I think as a creative individual, sometimes you want to make a film that's just, you know, stylistic or something like that. But mm. that's not that you can't do that, with, especially with documentary films. You can't do that. You have an obligation, responsibility mm. to make sure that your subjects are portrayed in a way that's truthful. And I think that that was the biggest challenge while we were in the edit, that that 
was intact. Mm, I think you're successful because <laughs> I, uh, you know, like you said, you you didn't want to make the film as kind of curious, strange things of tradition. But when I was watching the movie, I, I listened in in Japanese, you know, the subtitles, and it, it's it really can be enjoyed by anybody, including Japanese people. Like, wow, this is a human drama or <laughs> human. You know, like a whole deep in somebody's soul, dedication, or life. So that was amazing that how you made it. Thank you. Um, okay, so um, do you have any fun episodes uh, while you were shooting the film? Oh, <laughs> there's always fun episodes. I mean, we were very lucky because you know we're you know the we're making a film about sake makers. So every night, you know, we get to drink sake and. Every night, there's these certain people get they loosen up, you know, and I think alcohol obviously plays a big role in that. And by the way, they they drink their own sake. Correct, they drink right. their own sake. It would be, <laughs> <laughs> but they actually, it's very funny because they actually the yachan, the sixth generation heir, and Tojisan, and a lot of the workers are really into wine mm-hmm. and also into beer, and they appreciate the craft making that goes oh, into that. Interesting. So that you know, like once in a while, you know, instead of having beer they'll have wine all of us together and they'll, t- they'll drink the wine and they'll sort of observe it and talk about it and get some sort of you know a good conversation going about the the wine and maybe mm. comparing it to sake or whatever interesting but actually i, I became uh, facebook friends with uh, yachan mm-hmm. and then he really posts a lot of like this is a great wine and he appreciates other sake breweries mm-hmm. um product too so he's such an open-minded yeah you know collaborating uh, people yeah he's very very um progressive and i think he understands uh, all these different things about alcohol i think he should really go to the doctor because i think he's teetering on the line of being an alcoholic <laughs> <laughs> okay um so so the uh, so drink drink sake or wine talk yeah, about it yeah and, and i think you know just you know i think there's this there's a scene where they get into the bathtub and i think that's really something that i think most people are probably not used to seeing some some old japanese men <laughs> getting into bathtub and Having fun. Right. <laughs> I think it's a part of the film, too. Right? <laughs> okay. Um, so, you basically, you became friends with them, and you share kind of personal stories. Yeah, I think you have to, I think, you know. And I think when you're, when you're put into this uh, sort of situation or this setting, I think it's just natural that that sort of thing would happen. Mm. So, how do you find, uh, in their mindset, like, are they happy, protecting, and you know preserving this traditional craft of japan it depends on who which person you're talking about i think there's some who are just workers who just go there and who just need to make a living and need to work um and then there's others who find the craft as something that's a part of who they are as japanese people and Mm. they find uh, a value in keeping tradition alive and i think that there's workers like that and i think you can tell the difference and obviously um uh, in their sort of way that they approach uh, their work. Mm. So even among younger people, some of them are really into it. Some of them are just for work. Mm-hmm. Work. Okay. Um, and then, um, what did you learn from making this film? <laughs> I don't want to ever do it now. <laughs> um, I, I, I think it's very. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of things about Japanese people that I didn't. I was not aware of um, that I I think that especially since I grew up here and you see 
you, you see you, you have a little bit of a distance between groups of Japanese because I never really hung out with Japanese people growing up and this is the first time to be fully engaged uh, with people outside of my own family mm. and so very a, intensely yeah very intensely so it's like it's a very different experience and I got this I get I got the sense that I understood who I am as a Japanese person and that these people are very similar and mm. see things very similar to me and I think that it's this deep roots that we sort of share together that uh, makes us who we are and I think that played a big role in making this film mm, interesting okay and uh, and like you said uh, your Kickstarter campaign um, to make this movie uh, raised a, a successfully uh, $55,819 with uh, 394 backers so who supported the campaign? it was a wide range of people obviously there's people who are interested in uh, watching a film about Japanese culture or something about Japanese traditions obviously sake makers or sake samurais or uh, people who are in, involved in the sake world were obviously interested in the film and then just random people we had a lot of random people who were just wanted who who saw the trailer who was very interested in what we were doing and wanted to support it so we were mm. very very fortunate right yeah and i saw the number so 251 people from the u.s and 47 from japan and 23 uk so it's like a majority came from the state yeah so this is a great thing american people really interested yeah, yeah. I hope, and I hope that more and more Japanese people get interested, but that's become sort of the biggest challenge is, mm. is to get people like, you know, in our own country to be like, oh, this is something that's that we should be proud of, mm. you know. But, right. Well, I think, uh, you know, Kickstarter is not, uh, Kickstarter is not so big in Japan mm-hmm. yet, so maybe, yeah. but hopefully in yeah, the future, yeah. right? So, and uh, what do you think uh, is a message that the American audience would receive from the birth of sake? Uh, uh, well, I, I hope that people get to see Japanese people, these type of Japanese people, um, in a for, in a way that they've never seen them. Because I'm, I'm, I've never, I don't really see that many often. Many films made about Japanese people in the countryside. Mm. So I hope that you know Americans and Westerners can appreciate that. And obviously, I hope that they can appreciate sort of what they do and what the dedication it takes to make this thing that maybe they never thought twice about when they drank it. Mm. Yeah, that's meaningful, right? When you drink, it's not just alcohol beverage. It's more beyond just the liquid, clear yeah. liquid. And you could see the face of the people who make it, which I think is very important. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, really, I, I really appreciate what you did because I, um, I support just like industries, doing seminars in many different ways, but it was a very meaningful movie so yeah thank you yeah. <laughs> um so unfortunately the sake industry has been shrinking in japan and although overseas market has been growing and knowing that uh, there are young sake brewers like the sixth generation yachan um in the movie how do you predict the future of uh, traditional japanese sake breweries it's a very difficult thing to sort of and i, I from especially from the outside it's very sort of hard to give an accurate sort of prediction I personally think that um, the more younger people get involved uh, the the higher chances that obviously the that they can sustain this sort of tradition um, but it's just it's just so difficult to do um, and so I think a lot of people need to depend on on the outside community especially in the western communities because 
I think if they were solely to depend on just Japanese society and Japanese people to support this industry, I think it would almost be impossible.、Mm, right. Yeah,、um, there are some reasons、uh, for the decline of sake, you know, the popularity. And I, I researched that the main sake consumers are getting old, and younger generations do not drink alcohol so much anymore. And competitive products such as shochu wine, whiskey are growing.、Mm-hmm. But、uh, a, this is a big one, this image issue. You know, the sake is old people's drink, but I think you did a good job in changing the kind of image, and it's really a cool thing to drink sake. So hopefully, the future is brighter. I hope so too. Right. Okay.、Um, so,、uh, yeah, and actually, I, I asked、uh, Yachan to come. On the show, but he was a little reluctant because he doesn't speak English so much, he says. So maybe you can just come join with him on this show again. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. He'll、yeah. be, we'll be here for, he'll be in New York for the Joy of Sake event that will happen in September. So, okay. So hopefully, definitely. Right. All right. So let's once, try. Yeah, once you get him drunk, though, he'll, he'll be fine. <laughs> okay. That's the key, right?、Yeah. <laughs> right. So,、uh, where can we watch at Birth of Sake? Well, if you want to fully support independent filmmakers, you should, you should watch it on iTunes, but it's also available on Netflix.、Mm, okay. I,、uh, I did on Netflix, actually. But <laughs> everybody, just go to iTunes. <laughs>、um, so,、uh, what are you working on right now?、Uh, I'm working on a few different projects.、Uh, the project that I'm currently working on is on、uh, sort of a contemporary dance、uh, piece, and I'm trying to integrate sort of a Uh, women. Uh, I was you know, born and raised by women, or born and raised obviously by women, so、um, I have a s- strong connection、uh, to this idea of who women are and what they are, not as a comparison to man, but just as, as a whole, who they are and why they, the, what makes them click and what inspires them, influences them, what、mm-hmm. makes them who they are and unique. And so I'm making a film on that through dance. Okay. So,、uh, when is it going to come out? Hopefully, within my lifetime, it will come out. <laughs> right. So, you have a specific subject that、uh, you thought of, like the idea of featuring a woman, maybe your mother? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it will be a documentary, but right now I'm on the, on the process of researching、mm. uh, different, uh, different people in my life and different people in general, women in, in different places in the world, people of color,、uh, from different cultures,、um, to get a very. Unique perspective on women.、Mm. Okay. And do you think you're going to work on something again about the sake industry or Japanese traditional、um, I don't culture? Think, <laughs> I don't think my liver can handle anything alcohol based. <laughs> But、um, no, I think you know, if, the, if, you know, if something comes along that、uh, inspires me,、um, I would definitely work on it.、Mm. Okay. So,、uh, well, please keep us posted. Thank you very、right. much. And thank you for joining us today, Eric. Thank you very much, Riley. So,、uh, listeners, if you're interested in Eric's work, please visit、uh, ericshrai.com. It's、uh, Eric, E R I K S H I R A I, ericshrai.com. And if you have any questions or comments about the show, please contact us at heritageradionetwork.org. And you can sign up for our newsletter to get fun ep- updates and events information at the bottom of the homepage. And Japan East is live at 3 p.m. on mon- Mondays, always available at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes, and Stitcher Podcasts. And today's show was made possible by Corinne and our engineer is David,、uh, sorry,、uh, Pierre Bienemet. And thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.